Hey, welcome to episode 51 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles, and now that everything has settled dust-wise regarding the regular season of the 2022-2023 season and its Stanley Cup, now that the Las Vegas Golden Knights have won that, let's move into the off-season and start with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, in addition to hiring Kyle Dubas as their club's new president, have named Kyle Dubas's right-hand man from Toronto, Jason Spezza, as the club's new assistant general manager having not named an actual GM just yet although it was initially reported that Kyle Dubas will be handling the GM jobs as well. Perhaps Dubas's plans are to work with Jason Spezza and eventually elevate him to GM or maybe he has somebody else in mind for the GM job at the moment. Of course we also know in Pittsburgh that head coach Mike Sullivan has been quietly brought back and is a very nice fit to go with Dubas obviously as they seem to be aligned on the same page, which then brings Pittsburgh to what to do with its roster. There's likely no doubt that the ownership group of the Penguins made Kyle Dubas very aware of a very tight and short remaining window that Pittsburgh has with its existing core players. So most likely, the roster will be tweaked. Maybe not much on the top four or five players, but certainly beyond that, there's probably a lot of room for changes. I just have to wonder if you're not going to see a big youth movement, at least in lines three and four after defensive positions one and two maybe i think you're going to see the three through six positions and defense change i think you're going to see a whole new goaltending staff there for a couple of reasons one to kind of refresh and rejuvenate the roster two to give the Sidney crosby's evgeny melkins chris letang's some younger legs and take off some of that pressure which will allow them to focus on their skills and be even a more amazing impact than those three players have already been then of course after that and i'm thinking maybe a two-year window at most you're going to see the entire dismantling and rebuilding of the pittsburgh penguins franchise undoubtedly kyle dubas must really thrive under challenges because it's really interesting the similarities that he's going to deal with in pittsburgh now that we're facing him in toronto with quote unquote the core four do some of them get traded do some of them stay he's got that kind of big name soon-to-be-gone scenario in Pittsburgh as well. I wish him nothing but the absolute best and success with that because that is a -a once-in-a-lifetime challenge that he's going to take on which will undoubtedly define him as an NHL executive. So it's probably really good that he himself is fairly young as well because I'll bet like a president in the U.S. what he looks like physically right now, he has no gray hair, doesn't look old. After that, may look the exact opposite. One never knows. Which has got to bring you to Sidney Crosby. When he does retire, what capacity will he serve in? I have little doubt he'll remain in the organization, but the question is what role within the organization awaits Sidney Crosby the moment he retires because undoubtedly he is not only an amazing hockey player but very savvy and a smart businessman i think he's been one of the leading voices in player negotiations i think he probably has a bigger role than is known on the players union he's a heck of a player so he seems to also have a very very solid grasp on the league as well he's kind of in that mark messier mario lemieux wayne gretzky steve eiserman mold and one could say the same applies to chris Lett- 
Letang. They are just two really, really smart people, in addition to great hockey players, that I think have some very prominent league or organizational positions waiting for them when their careers conclude. Now, as for Evgeny Melkin, I think he has a different roadmap that he's going to follow. I, for some reason, see him, along with Alexander Ovechkin, at a minimal, probably owning the two most highest profile franchises of the KHL or becoming the two top executives in the KHL. They just have incredible presence and are very smart businessmen themselves. And I don't think you're just going to sit back in retirement and go, okay, well, it was a good career. Now I'm just going to do nothing. I think you're going to see those two in very prominent positions as well. Moving on to the Rangers with the hiring of Peter LaViolette as the Rangers new head coach heading into next season. I really, really hope that they also bring on John Hines as well, as we talked about in the last episode, as they are a really talented organization from the time that Jeff Gordon was with the Rangers through the end of this year, who's been headed the last couple of years by Chris Drury. They have put together a really, really good team and are ready to bring back the Stanley Cup to an original six franchise. And many thought the New York Rangers were going to do that this year. Unfortunately, Carolina got in their way. And I think the Rangers have learned a lot from that Carolina series. And maybe if karma comes full circle, maybe the Rangers can meet up with Vegas next year in the cup finals and systematically target their players as well. Something to think about moving on. Now that all seven coaching vacancies have been filled, at least for the moment, that leaves a few remaining management openings as the 2023 draft approaches. And I'm curious to see what happens after the draft. And I say that because there's just something in the air. There's a tension there that has remained and not gone away. And what I mean by that is you have the new ownership group in Ottawa. Could they leave everything else status quo now that the ownership has been taken care of? Or could they completely rebuild that organization managerially? You also have other openings throughout the league. Or once the draft is over, because it's so close to the draft right now, there just wasn't enough time for another organization to get new people in place before the draft. Do they complete this draft with their current team? and then make changes? I don't know. There's just something weird. There's just like this weird feeling in the air that another shoe is about to drop as they, as the old saying goes. Now, speaking of the 2023 draft, which is one of the bigger topics on episode 51 this week, I think there's an opportunity for Montreal to really, really do some damage. We've already talked about who the hope is that they draft, but with additional assets that they can pick up. And those players that could be traded include Josh Anderson, Anderson, Joel Armia, Jonathan Duran, Christian Dvorak, Jake Evans, Brendan Gallagher, Dennis Garyanov, Mike Hoffman, Rem Picklick, Chris Tierney, Joel Edmondson, David Savard, Chris Weidman, and Jake Allen. And that's just from the NHL roster. Now, a couple things have to be said there. Obviously, the Canadians have decided to let Dennis Garyanov test the free agent market. Chris Tierney is going to test the free agent market. Chances are Duran's going to be gone and everybody's going to have the attitude of, well, heck, I can obtain him for free why would i give montreal anything it's just for that little exclusivity as far as a time window to have exclusive signing rights with them maybe that's enough to interest somebody but if it is let's be honest at best at the very best it's going to be a fifth round pick and most likely it's going to be a sixth or seventh if they even get that at this point from the ahl roster i would also love to see montreal move on from caden primo anthony richards brendan gannick danik martell peter abadado gabriel bork Patrick Dubois, Yessi 
Kalanen, Frederick Allard, Tori Dello, Matthias Norlander, Madison Bowie, Corey Shermerman, Tony Sund, Nicholas Bodine, and even goaltending prospect Joe Verbetic. It just, in his case in particular, just looks like he is not comfortable in the province of Quebec. He just kind of like he's always looking over his shoulder. He's just not comfortable and just looks like he'd rather be playing somewhere else. And it's not that he's got anything against anything. You can just see he is not fully comfortable in his situation. And that might be wrong to some, but whether people will agree with it or not is irrelevant. So if that's the case, let's move on from him. Let's, if nothing else, get an equivalent seventh round pick in a future draft like he came to the Montreal Canadiens recently as a seventh round pick in their draft. And let's just clear the air and get something for him. I mean, again, Montreal is kind of in that position of putting together this whole new team organization style and preferences. Let's just make it part of it. And beyond the NHL and AHL rosters, I would even love to see Montreal unload prospects that they're not going to have room to sign for, who haven't done much to this point, although I know there's always that, oh my god, he was a late bloomer, I can't believe we got rid of him. But again, let's be honest here, Montreal has really, really good prospects that are ready to make the club. So... How many of these other guys, given the fact that the league has a 50 limit contract per club, a lot of these guys aren't going to be able to sign. So before they walk away for nothing, such as Blake Biondi, Alexander Gordon, Jack Gornick, Oliver Kapanen, Jacob Olveson, Rhett Pitlick, Ty Similanik, Jack Smith, Dmitry Kostenko. Yeah, they're young talents, but they haven't developed as well as other ones, and they may turn out to be something special. But you're likely not going to have them on the roster or sign them because there's so many other people already ahead of them that you're much more comfortable with. Let's unload them and just keep that pipeline of draft assets and draft capital packed to the complete limit that one can. The one thing this does say is it makes a statement as to how much talent the Montreal Canadiens have stockpiled through exceptional drafting of the last five drafts. And that amount of talent is just simply outstanding. Consider for a moment the players that I mentioned here, unless they turn into, holy cow, what a diamond in the rough, we had no idea about or didn't even consider that could happen for this player, Montreal's just not going to be able to sign all of those people. So again, rather than losing them for nothing or just allowing them to walk away, keep getting assets for them. A lot of people are under this belief. It's like, well, let's not have too many draft picks or too many assets. You could never have that. And speaking of things like that, regarding this talent, people can say anything and everything they want about the previous general manager, Mark Bergevin. But the reality is he left Montreal with a treasure chest of talent that can propel that organization for decades to come. From drafting Jordan Harris in the third round of the 2018 draft to drafting Cole Caulfield and others in the 2019 draft and just two amazing seven round drafts in 2020 and 2021 that were followed up with the amazing draft last year by Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes. So that's a lot of talent, especially to be infused in an organization in a short period of time. Unfortunately, you're just not going to be able to keep it all. You want to, but you're just not going to be able to. But just imagine though, if you were able to move the players that I've listed, just think about 
the future drafts and how much capital the Canadians would continue to have. That would be absolutely amazing. Now, the next topic I've touched on in a couple of other episodes, not only would I love to see Montreal draft Will Smith if he's still available or Ryan Leonard with the fifth pick. I mentioned in episode 50, the 31st pick, I would use that along with the 37th pick overall and the 127th pick in the fourth round, and I'll get back to the third round in a second, to draft goaltenders Michael Rabel, Adam Gajan, and Damian Clara. And Damian Clara is going to be the unknown there because he's actually Italy's goaltender. But like I said in the last episode, he is a project that can turn out to be a very, very high value project. Getting back to that third round pick, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I would love to see Montreal zero in on center Zachary Nearing out of Shattuck St. Mary in the United States with that 69th pick in the third round. As for the other two picks in the fourth round, I would love to see Montreal go after Stancil out of uh, Chechnya and right winger Noel Nord out of Sweden. I think those are going to be two gems in this draft. If they're still available and nobody else has taken them, I would grab them in a heartbeat. Well, that does it for episode 51. I am your host, Steven Stiles. Thank you again so much for tuning in for yet another episode, and we will be back with episode 52 before you know it. Thanks again.